0: An invitation was once issued to a priest, an invitation to preach at mass on the feast of the Assumption of Our Lady into heaven. The reply duly came back, I cannot possibly accept, said the reply, because the Assumption is an Assumption. It's true I guess, the Assumption of Our Lady is not in the Bible and it was only specified as an essential belief by the Roman Catholic Church in the mid 19th century, although it had been widely understood as being the case for many centuries before that. But then again, if you look in the Bible, you won't find a definition of the Trinity. But if you argued that wasn't essential to the Christian faith, you'd run into problems fairly quickly. The assumption is an assumption. Let's think about what we know about Mary. There's nothing in the scriptures about her before the visit of the Archangel Gabriel. We hear she is betrothed to Joseph. She visits Elizabeth after accepting God's call. John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. As they both recognise who Jesus is before he is even born. Mary then journeys to Bethlehem with Joseph for the census and gives birth to Jesus. That covers what nine months of her life give or take. Betrothed to Joseph, the angel visits, she gets pregnant, visits Elizabeth, There's a recognition of Jesus they journey to Bethlehem and she gives birth to be more specific she gives birth to Jesus God made man she bore God in her womb hence the title Mother of God or in the Orthodox Church Theotokos God bearer and then in her visit to Elizabeth She sings that great song of liberation, the Magnificat, which Joe just read for us. A prophecy of the world being turned upside down by Jesus. The lowly raised, the self-important brought down. Because Jesus came for all people, not just those who are apparently more important according to society. For these things to have happened we need some more assumptions. We need to assume that Mary existed, therefore that Mary was born, therefore that Mary had a mother and a father. None of these things are in the Bible but it's fair to say we need to assume they are true in order for the incarnation to have happened. Tradition gives Mary's parents the names Anna and Joachim but again that's not in the scriptures. So Mary existed, an assumption but a necessary one. We hear that Mary and Joseph presented the infant Jesus in the temple according to Jewish customs so we know that she was a Jew, we know she followed the religious rules. Fast forward then to Jesus being an adolescent. Mary, Joseph, Jesus and others in the family travelled to the temple for a religious feast. Again we are reminded that Mary's household followed the Jewish way of life. Another assumption. Mary and Joseph must have been looking after Jesus up to this point of adolescence, teaching him caring for him it's not in the scriptures but it goes without saying early in John's gospel we hear that Jesus Mary and the disciples were present at a wedding in Cana of Galilee elsewhere in the gospel we hear Mary present when Jesus asks who is my mother who are my brothers and later Mary is there at the foot of the cross of Jesus receiving his lifeless body into her arms. With Mary present for those parts of Jesus' life, it is probably fair to assume that Mary must have been around for the other parts of Jesus' life which are not in the Gospel. I guess these are fair assumptions. But where is Mary now? She's not living, surely. And if she's not living, where is she? Jesus promised eternity with God. In John 14, we hear Jesus saying he's prepared a place for us and a route to get there. If that offer, that promise is for each person, it surely applies to Mary more than most, most highly favoured lady as the Archangel Gabriel called her. Does it not follow then that it is fair to assume that Mary is in heaven? The assumption refers to her being taken body and soul into heaven, while in the Orthodox Church we have the Dormition that falling asleep of Mary. But if we move beyond exact theological descriptions surely it's fair simply to assume that Mary is now in heaven. It's not too hard an assumption. If we accept that Mary is in heaven and to be honest if she's not then we're in trouble. We can assume she is close to Jesus as she was throughout his 33 years on earth. The church has the tradition of asking Mary and other saints in heaven to pray for us. Why do we do that? Well if we assume that Mary and the other saints are in heaven, we can assume they are close to God, they are close to Jesus and to the Father. So then if they are close to Jesus and God the Father maybe they might be in a position to put in a good word for us. They might be able to pray for us and have that prayer heard being closer to God. It's the same as if we know someone who's influential, maybe a deputy for example. They might be able to influence things they're involved with more than we might be able to further away. It makes sense to ask others to put in a good word for us here and so it must also make sense to ask the saints in heaven to do the same. In processions around churches quite often a litany is sung with lists of saints, each one having the response aura pro nobis pray for us as we ask the prayers of all the company of heaven for us for our needs here on earth. Throughout her life Mary pointed people towards Jesus. Think of her words at the wedding in Cana of Galilee after the wine had run out when she said to the servant about Jesus do what he tells you that lesson is one for each of us as we are pointed more and more towards Jesus and so as we ask Mary's prayers for us we pray that we may be pointed again towards Jesus more and more Jesus who is Mary's son Jesus who is God made man. Jesus who is our Lord and Saviour. Amen.